Um, okay, let's do this. Uh, let's turn to Acts 20. We are going to be reading Acts 20, obviously. Uh, anyone kind of want to give a, um, a chapter 19, end of chapter 19 update, recap, anything like that? No? No one wants to ever? Y'all are so good at it. Anyone? You know it. That's exactly right. So, um, so yeah, just go ahead. You're doing great. Go, go ahead. Keep going. I don't even have a question past that. Yes, it is that. What are what temple are they near? Yes, another name would be what Dionysus. Yeah. <clears throat> Where did the temple originate? Why is there a temple right there? It did. <laughs> Just crazy and true. <laughs> and what did the meteor look like, sort of? Yeah, look like a woman, kind of. Like a, a goddess woman, which, whatever that looks like. I don't even know. I should have had a picture or something like, this is the meteor. I don't have one. I didn't do that. Um, so yeah, so they worship Artemis. Um, is it a well-known temple? Yeah, it's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's pretty amazing. Pretty big deal. Kind of a thing everyone would understand. And then there's idol makers outside the temple making their living, and some, right? It says they're wealthy from their careers, which is impressive. Um, and then what, what's, the, what's their frustration? Yes, right? Right. Right. Which is, which is crazy, that there's enough business for them to be wealthy, like to have wealth, actual wealth. Then this group of people starts teaching, and all over the known world, this gets out that, that if you go there to see this wonder, there's no need for you to buy the idol because it's not a god anyway, right? And so this, this one group of people stirring up uh, truth and stirring up this, this kingdom of heaven at hand causes them to not just like lose a little bit, they're concerned for their well-being. That, that so few people are starting to buy or continuing to buy these, these figures, these idols, um, when they go visit the temple, which is, which is impressive and crazy. I mean, that, that, that's, that it was that widespread, that the knowledge of the way was widespread enough to cause them to lose wealth. We can't forget, that's a big deal. That's that is a, a drastic thing. What, what could, I mean, that's, that's like me saying, me just, like us, starting to just teach that, um, okay, and this is not true, so I'm not teaching this, okay? It'd be like us saying, you shouldn't wear orange when you go see UT play. That's not necessary. It doesn't help. In fact, it's bad for you and for UT. And then all the stores, UT's marketing department, and all these places trying to like destroy us because we're losing them money. There's no way me saying that would, would cause a dent in it because half of us would not say that, right? And half of us would say heresy and be all upset. But, but that wouldn't work, right? That's, that's crazy. That's influence that we don't have but that, that the people, these followers of the way had in this area, right? Which is, it's pretty wild. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty crazy. 
Okay? So then what else happens? Let's, let's keep going with it. So they're upset, and then they cause a riot. Good. We'll just do fill in the blank the whole time. And then they... No. So there was a... <laughs> they're like in danger of rioting, right? So they're, they're doing this. Did Paul want to go speak to them? Yes, right? Paul wants to go speak to them. Um, everyone's holding him back. Don't do that. Please don't go in there. That's a bad choice. Um, they, uh, they basically... The, the leader of town and kind of this influencer for the temple kind of comes and just kind of shuts it down. He's like, look, you're in danger of rioting. Rome will come here if we riot. We will have a problem. Stop rioting. No one, no one is doubting our great Artemis. No one is doubting our place in the world, which are the two things, remember, we said that really the kingdom of heaven, um, this kingdom of God, this new, the way, was actually attacking, it was their, it wasn't attacking their, you know, their Artemis. I mean, it was, but that's not why they're upset, which is telling. It's not upset that their idol, they say they're worshiping, is, is being, you know, downplayed. It's, they can't benefit from the idol they're worshiping, which is too many of us in so many ways. It's not really the things we worship, we think. We really worship ourselves and our wealth and our status, which is what they're upset for. Right? They're upset that their wealth is being disturbed and they're upset that their place in the world is being questioned. Their temple, right? The temple that everyone knows across the world is in danger of repute. It's kind of what they say. So anyway, we have, we have this crazy story um, and the crowd disperses, but we see here, and I think what's important for this next section here is we see in this story... The, again, the influence that the way is beginning to have in Ephesus and in the, the world around Ephesus, which is basically the known world. So in Acts 20, verse 1, we'll, we'll just start reading. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions, he had given them much encouragement. He came to Greece, and there he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews... Um, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Uh, against him by the Jews, he was about to set sail for Syria. He decided to return through Macedonia. Um, so Peter the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, uh, and of the Thessalon- Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secondus. I want to say this about those two people, just because it's uh, important. Aristarchus, that person's name, many people think he's of some sort of royalty or lineage. So he's, he's probably very wealthy and influential. And then the person with him, is, and I'm probably pronouncing it terrible, there's different ways to say it, uh, Segundus is usually given, that name is sometimes given to a slave. So it's sometimes given to someone who's either been freed as a slave, or they may not have a name, and so they give them the name of the second, or the one after, right? So he might be Secundus of somebody, because he's the slave, and he's the second of them, or possibly the second, his father was maybe a slave, and then him. So we have these two people riding together for the king of heaven. And I just think it's really, really beautiful that those two people have commonality and are brothers in this. When in society, I don't know if he's still a slave, more than likely not, if he's traveling with this group of people, but the, the likelihood of those two people having a meal together or sharing space together ever in the ancient world is none. But in the kingdom of heaven at hand, they're able to. And they're able to labor together and, and risk together and sacrifice together. And I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, worth mentioning, we're not diving any deeper than that. But I just think it's beautiful, and so I just wanted to say. Um, 
uh, Gaius of Derby, Timothy of the Asians, um, Tychus, and Drophimus. And they went ahead and were waiting for them at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the days of the unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So they're on their journey. And on the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. And there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting by the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, taking him in his arms and said, Do not be alarmed, for life, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them longer until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Which again, Luke's nice way of saying, they were stoked he wasn't dead. Right? Not a little bit comforted. Okay, we're not going to stay on the story long, but I want to quickly ask, what are your thoughts? Why is the story even here? Let's do that discussion. What are your thoughts? Why, why would this discussion, why would they even tell the story? Because, look, let's be, let's be very honest, too. We have times in Scripture where we think we're getting a good account of Acts. We're getting a good account of Paul's life. We're getting the fewest snapshots, right? He's been in Ephesus two years, and we have three stories about it. Right? There's a lot going on in two years of time. We just have him sailing all around to these different churches to encourage believers and not, not a story of kind of how that went. Not a story of a hug at the place. So obviously things are happening without us knowing, but why do we get this one? Why is this story presented to us? Any thoughts? It's crazy. Because it's crazy. It's, it is memorable. It is memorable, right? So he, go, he goes to teach. Let's just run the story down again. So he goes to teach. Um, he begins to teach during, during the afternoon, during the evening, and teaches till midnight. Okay? That's a long time for them to be talking. Okay? That's, that's quite a while. I know that I've been long-winded before in the past. We have not ever gone beyond 45 minutes. 43-something, I think, even. <laughs> right? They talk for hours, like six possible hours. A long time together, discussing, teaching, reading the scrolls, right? Um, reading the Old Testament, because that's what they have. Loving the Old Testament for six hours together. That's what they're doing, okay? Um, it also mentions, which is interesting, there were many lamps in the room. So I, I don't... I, reading about this, there's lots of, of writings about this being like, that's... You know, that's why he even had to go by the window to get some air because all the oil and smoke or, you know, the whatever. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Maybe, maybe it was just hot. I don't know. You know, he just, maybe he liked being by the window. I, I don't know what it was, but they're reading by lamp and he gets so tired, this poor kid gets so tired that he falls asleep. And, and part of me is like, what was your chair built like that falling asleep in it you lost control and fell out of the window. And why sit so close to the window in such a terribly made chair? If that's how that's going to work, right? Like, is he on a stool, a bench? Is he like leaning on the window? I, I don't know what's happening, but it's pretty wild. He falls out. Now, and I know we're laughing at it, and I know the story is interesting and crazy. If someone, if something were to happen to someone here while we're talking, and, and 
were to, to, to pass away, that would, it's, it's obviously a terrible thing, okay? So we're, we're making light of this window thing because he's alive, because Paul goes down and says, no, he's not dead, and wakes him up. But this is, this, I think about, I think there's two things. Number one, I think it shows very much that Paul loves, loves them and loves this kid to rush down with them and not just be like, oh no, what's happened? But to say, no, let's have him be alive, right? And then, and then also the, the beauty of like this, this crazy, chaotic story he leaves them with, right? That, they, that this person has with them, this, this story of him teaching and teaching and teaching. Someone falls asleep, falls out of the window. He goes down, saves them, and then they, they celebrate, they're happy, but they celebrate by just teaching some more. He just goes back up. He's like, okay. Let's get back at this. I only have so much time here, right? I only have so much time where there's more to discuss. So they continue to discuss it into the morning, right? At midnight, they have this crazy event happen. He goes down, to, gives life back to this kid, goes back up and teaches till the end of the day. And they're no less comforted, all right? And so uh, it's interesting that this, this story is here for what we're about to talk about in the next passage. But then also for the way I think... Um, Real life happens to real people around the way, okay? It's the, the, it was not always courageous and graceful. Sometimes it was clumsy, and sometimes it was impoverished, and sometimes it was hard, and sometimes it was dirty, and sometimes they failed or they made bad choices, right? There's times when the kingdom of heaven looks like it couldn't have gone better, and there's times where Paul and his friend get into such a heated argument over if someone is like bold enough to go with them that they send each other away. Sometimes the kingdom is beautiful enough for them to teach for 15 hours and everyone be involved and everyone have back and forth and the world changes because of it and the, the, you know, the, the spirit comes in and people outside the window hear them speak in tongues and they all want the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. They all want the win. They all become believers. 3,000 in one day. And then there's time when they're teaching late and they're praying together and someone falls asleep and falls out and has to be resurrected and they keep teaching and the story's very odd. And that's the way, that's the way of the way. The, the kingdom is, is not as clean as we want to think it is because people are among it. It's us leading it. It's us taking it forward with our, with our clumsy hands and feet is what it is. It's us walking, trying to figure out how to love God and love people. And we, for whatever reason, sometimes don't think we can do both <laughs> because it's hard. Or we put too much attention on one than the other or we just settle on who we are or it's just hard. And, and in that vein, I think, and in this, this kingdom of heaven being sometimes seeming chaotic, we have Paul meeting with another group of people right after. Um, so what happens is, uh, after this, after he, he heals this kid, but going a, ahead to the ship, we set sail for 
Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged it, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us there, he took him on boat and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came uh, the following day to Chios. The next day, touched at Samos. And then the next day, went on to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of the Pentecost. Now, again, it's important to know Paul is trying to celebrate the Pentecost with his culture, with his people. Okay? So, again, we, we, for some reason, Paul is often talked about as one who's like seeking to destroy or do away with uh, like Jewish thought or Jewish culture or Jewish ideas or Jewish celebrations. He's absolutely not. He's actually wanting to skip visiting another church he loves very much so he can get back and celebrate. He's like, no, this is, I need to go do this. This is important to me. It's important to us. I need to go do this with my people. So he's attempting to do that. Now from Miletus, he, set, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions may await me there. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone um, about proclaiming the kingdom with will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of all blood, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish each one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and in the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's gold or silver or apparel. You yourselves know with these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken that that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to his ship. So we have this time when he gets with the people he loves most, and he tells them he's going to leave, and he tells them, too, this isn't my normal rotation. 
but more than likely, I'm not going to be coming back to you. Um, and then we have response, but I want us to look at a few things in there that I think are important to us. Um, because I think in Paul telling them how he lived and telling them why he can go and why he can have this final conversation with them and why he's okay with that, I feel like it should teach us how to be with one another. And I think it should teach us how to... Obviously, it's going to tell us what's important, but I think it should teach us how to interact with each other. And this is one of the first ones. Um, you yourselves know how I've lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. So we get this little window here. And for whatever reason, it's hard for me to think of when Paul's threatened and when Paul finds um, trouble and hardship and people not believing the way and people saying, no, you're crazy and blaspheming him and sending him on. I picture that like not bothering him for some reason, right? Like, no, he stays the course. He's okay. He's okay with that, right? But probably because of certain statements where he's, he's out and he says, then I clean my hands of you. My hands are clean of your blood. It's not on me. I've told you everything that I could. I've convinced you, and I've tried to convince you in every way that I can, but if you're going to still threaten me, if you're still going to say that Jesus is not the way, I'll go to the Gentiles, right? And so we remember those stories, and we don't imagine that these things bother him a great deal, right? These people that he loves, these, these Jewish people he would call brother and sister that would welcome him into their home, that he likes very much, that he has so much in common with, that he loves, that love him for a time. And they, they work together and he goes to their synagogue day after day, week after week, teaching and teaching. And then when threats arise or when people come and stir up trouble, it actually bothers him. And we forget that. And, and I wonder if us forgetting that is dangerous because I wonder if those things don't bother us enough sometimes. I wonder if it... So when we, even when we're interacting together, when we are teaching each other and we are laboring together and when we are debating together and when we are encouraging each other and mourning with each other and celebrating with each other, sometimes when things go awry in those relationships, we just kind of let it slide and, and don't mind, right? Or if we disagree, and I know we, we say it's okay for us to disagree and that's fine. I'm not saying just the disagreement's sake. But I wonder if with other people and your lives and our families and all these things, we have such an individualistic culture and such, we say our faith is our own so often and so loudly that I wonder if it doesn't bother us when there's a brick wall between someone of faith. That, that when there's trouble convincing someone to love the least of these, we say, okay, that's their opinion. That's fine. They don't have to. It's okay. And it doesn't like pain us to see a friend of mine in a church that I don't attend maybe not love the things I love or I think are so key to the gospel, right? Or I wonder if um, our neighbors not wanting to join us in loving another neighbor or not wanting the kingdom of heaven that's at hand with us or, or not um, accepting love or grace, if that just is okay, 
that's okay. That's fair. To each their own, right? With Paul, it seems to upset him a, a lot. It seems that he's not hard-hearted like we picture him sometimes, right? That his heart's pliable and soft, and that, that finding retaliation from people that he calls his family, his people, makes him weep at night, right? That causes pain to him. I picture, you know, when Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and he's about to go down there to die. He's about to go to Jerusalem, and he knows he'll be crucified. When he sees Jerusalem, right, they're going to walk into town, and he's on a hill. He sees it, and he falls down and weeps. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how, long, how I long to gather you, like a hen gathers her brood, and you weren't willing, and just sits there kind of on his knees crying, and the disciples are just confused at what's going on. Because he loves them. doesn't want rejection in that way, because they're his. And I wonder if, if we're just used to the world not thinking it needs the kingdom of heaven, or the way being something if you want, you can have. If you don't, it's okay. Don't worry. No, no stress there. It doesn't bother us. That's fine. And I just, I, I wonder about that with me, and I wonder if that's okay, that that's my response a lot of times, that I'll just live my life. I'll go on eating my dinner, right? From there, um, it says, I, I went publicly house to house, testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith, um, and a faith in our Lord Jesus. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment, and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. Only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Later, he talks about the whole counsel of God being the kingdom of God that he is able to teach. And here's kind of why I asked, um, why I asked our question in the beginning about why we're here. Like, why did you attend today? Right? And then why is that the why you attended today? It's because I find it very difficult to imagine. Um, so when we make decisions, I find it difficult to imagine me making a decision that would cause my family to be without me. Like, what would be the reason for that? Like, why would I take them to a place that would literally put me or them in danger, Right? Like, why would we do things that would cause our family harm? Or why would we do things that would cause us harm? And there's not a lot of reason, right? And we have, we have and I'm not, I'm not trying to make it dramatic and make us think about martyrdom for ourselves or anything like that. Let's put it in our own context. But I do wonder, I do wonder um, if we would be people who would even be at or attend or partner with a church if it, was, if it cost us too much, right? Like, I wonder if, and I'm having, I'm having trouble this weekend trying to, like, get a good uh, metaphor or analogy for this at all, so I'm, I'm struggling with the explanation. But, so here's, here's the deal. For a successful church, that's not, a successful as in, uh, I mean, successful with quote fingers, right? 
like a, a large or thriving or whatever congregation, there's not a lot of people who would, who would say, yeah, I should like, die for that, right? Or for a very hip church or a church that's seen as like a good one to go to in the city. That's not like a diable thing, usually. People don't usually die over that, right? People don't usually die over um, like enough wealth to have safety, right? There's usually a point where you say, okay, <laughs> I won't push it quite that far, right? There's, there's things, I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to explain. So there's, it, it, it's impressive to me and crazy to me that the thought is from Paul that this would cause his death and that he would say, of course, that's what I should do. I should leave this successful place of Ephesus. Like, I should lose my tenure teaching at this college setting every day and changing the world because everyone in all of Asia now is stopping to purchase these idols and everyone has heard of the way. In fact, the, this, in the first of this chapter, and I didn't look at it much, and I just passed over it, um, and in chapter 19 also, it talks about tens of thousands of followers and that's not just like a multitude. The, the word they literally translate is tens of thousands of followers. So it's a, the way is growing and spreading across the world and to leave that and to not, to leave that success seems interesting to me. It's like, is the kingdom really better, Paul, for you going and dying in Jerusalem? Right? And they're going to ask him that next chapter. <laughs> they're going to talk about all those things. But in, in the midst of that, um, I came across a, a quote by Charles Spurgeon, um, an English pastor a long time ago, actually not that long ago, um, speaking, and this is just a small quote. And again, I'm not trying to make us think of martyrdom necessarily. I just want us to think of the cost of things and the reasons we do things. This is, um, and this is kind of the background of it. Um, there's, there's lots of gospels not worth dying for. Is the gospel of moral reform worth dying for? No. Is the gospel of save yourself through good works worth dying for? No. No, we're going to kill ourselves over being really good every day, right? Of doing enough good things to counteract our bad things. We're probably not going to kill ourselves on that. Probably not. The gospel of social action and improvement? No. The gospel of our religious traditions that we hold on to dearly? Not worth dying for. The gospel of merely having spiritual conversations and counting that a win? Not worth dying for. I added the counting that a win. Charles Spurgeon would have never said that part. Okay, that's a totally misquoted Charles Spurgeon right there. <laughs> The gospel, I won't do that again, so we can just get through this without me having to explain that. The gospel of mystical mumbo-jumbo, not worth dying for. I did not add mumbo-jumbo, that was in there. The gospel of seeking the church, of true hipness, no. The gospel of self-esteem, not worth dying for. The gospel of ecological salvation, not worth dying for. The gospel of political salvation, not worth dying for. The gospel of emergent churches, or feeling good, or any other thing, no, not worth dying for. Yet, there used to be a gospel in the world which consisted of facts which Christians never questioned. There was once in the church a gospel which believers hugged to their hearts as if it was their soul's life. There used to be a gospel in the world which provoked enthusiasm and commanded sacrifice. Tens of thousands have met together to hear this gospel at peril of their lives, Men to the teeth of tyrants have proclaimed it and have suffered the loss of all things 
and have gone to prison and to death in it, singing hymns, singing hymns all the while. Is there not such a gospel remaining today? Is there not something that we would just sacrifice something for? Is there not a a kingdom of heaven at hand? Is there not something about the kingdom of God? Something about, and and Paul says it in a little bit, this idea of, of giving rather than receiving. Is there not something about Jesus himself that makes us willing to sacrifice? Willing to say, no, I, my beliefs must change. No, my way must change. No, conviction can take root. I can feel bad for something I've done. No, I can really think that I need to learn to do what is good that I don't already know it. I really do need to say, yes, this church is family to me. What, whatever it may be for you, whatever part of the gospel But the kingdom of God seems to be, to Paul and to so many other people, something worth sacrifice. And that the sacrifice, for some, is okay that it was hard for them to decide to do. It wasn't always easy for them to decide it. Not always easy for them to say yes to it. He goes on and says that, that, but to but I do not amount my life of any value, nor precious to myself, but that I may finish the course. And now behold, I know that none of you, um, that none of you among whom I have gone out proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day, I am innocent of all the blood, for I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God to you. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made, um, has made you yourselves to care for in the church which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish each of you in tears. And this will be the last one we talk about, but in, in this even, um, we, have, we have this... Like final, again, this is like this final speech to people, right? So he's like, I'm not going to see you again. What can I tell you? I'll tell you everything that I can think of at one time. So he's giving them this, this spill of his. And in it, he says, now, remember, be watchful. Who you are now is beautiful, and I love you. And the church is, it's, you're, you're loving each other well. You're doing all these things, but be watchful because ideas will come. And some of you even will rise, and you'll want your own glory, or you'll want your disciples, or you'll want these other things. And I, I was reading a little bit about this because I was like, man, some of this sounds kind of dramatic and it's, it's beautiful and good, but it's just dramatic. Like, watch yourselves and don't, you know what I mean? It's like when your, your parent drops you off at college, you know, and they like give you the spill, like, be careful, you know? Be careful, <laughs> don't do these three things, you know, or what, it might have been nine things, I have no idea. Mine was not nine things, but it was like, don't do these things, um, but then you read in you read in other places where Ephesus is discussed, and Paul knew what was coming after this church. So in, in Revelation we have this word to the churches in Ephesus. Does anyone remember what Ephesus is? That what that word is to Ephesus? Do you remember any of the you don't have to, it's fine. I mean like I probably didn't until I read it this week, so don't don't stress. Don't stress. But 
What happens is uh, the church at Ephesus gets this, this, these compliments. It's like, oh, you're, you're doing amazing things. You're fighting off, um, um, what's the term? I should probably read the thing. But um, I'll start talking about it if I find it quickly. We'll go from there. Um, I'm here. I know your works. Um, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But I've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up to your namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing for my name's sake. You haven't grown weary in doing that. Sounds like kind of they mirrored Paul in that. He labored without being weary, past weary, did not give up over and over through tears, through trial, through all these things, did this. But, they, but the, the thing against them is, hey, you've, you've kind of forgotten your first love, though. Repent, do the things you did at first. Love well. This, this Jesus that is the lead of the kingdom of heaven, that the whole thing revolves around, love this Jesus. Move forward in that. Or your lampstand will be... It's, it's, this, it's this beautiful and sad thing of not long after, this is where the church is. So anyway, we're, we're getting... I'm not trying to take us so far away from who we are necessarily, and I can't really tie these together very well today. But here's, here's the thing. Our, our reason, right, for being here, or the why of that why, needs to be thought out by us. And it needs to be something where we look at lives like this one in Ephesus, and we look at the church there, and we look at how they love each other, and we look at how they mourn together and they celebrate together and how they labor together and how they meet trial together and how they push through some of it and how they bumble through some of it and they just they live life together as an us and and then when Paul leaves them his words to them his encouragement to them we should hear and that's just kind of what I want for us today is to hear those things and to hear someone say when we met rejection it brought tears when we met opposition to the things we loved, it bothered us. We, we were okay letting it bother us. And when, and when we labored together, it was, a, it was a beautiful thing for us to call us an us. And then as I'm leaving now, I've, I've, I can say that I gave you the full counsel of God, Paul says, right? Like the whole thing. I didn't use scripture as a launching pad to talk about what I wanted. Right? I didn't use it to make us feel like we were okay. I talked about the whole counsel of God with you and taught that with you. And, and as we, we look at this and as we have communion in just a second, this, this idea of an us laboring together, I think is what's, what's attractive to me about this passage. So let's stand together. Um, we're going to enter a time of communion, and here's what that's going to look like. We're going to um, have a liturgy of response together, and then after that, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together, and the band's going to begin to play. Um, during the final two songs of us worshiping together, 
Whenever you feel like the time is right, there's bread um, and a cup back there. If you would take the bread, dip it in the cup, enjoy communion, and then continue to worship however you want. Um, Whether you're visiting with us, whether you would say you agree with everything we say, whether you um, don't know where you are on this journey of faith, we want you to know communion's open for you. And this, this message from Jesus when he was in front of a multitude of people, where he said, what I have for you is myself. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Have all of me. Take, take me in, in in the most extreme way possible. Like have, have me for you. It's offered in that way. It's what we also offer here. Okay?